Hello and welcome to Music of the River City. This is your host, Chris Gooden. This episode features an interview with guitarist, singer, and banjoist Greg Green. For listeners who have never had a chance to hear Greg play and sing, you are in for a treat in this episode. Greg performs a snippet of a still underdevelopment song, Mississippi Flood, that he's been working on with collaborator Murray Sugars. As you'll hear, the song is great so far, and Greg sings it with a classic country voice. I've had the privilege of playing with Greg several times over the years, and I've always been impressed by his ability both as a player and a singer. He can sing about any style of music from gospel to country to rock and roll, all while putting his own spin on the delivery. Greg is also a great guitar and banjo player, but the thing that impresses me the most about Greg is that despite all his talents as a musician, he plays and sings with no agenda or ego, just for the joy it brings to him and others. I really enjoyed catching up with Greg, and I hope you enjoy this episode as well as the songs he performs. Greg promised to come back on the show when he and Murray finish Mississippi Flood, so make sure you subscribe to Music of the River City so you'll be alerted when new episodes come out. My conversation with Greg Green is coming up, but first, music I love and I think you'll love too. In this segment of Music I Love and I Think You'll Love Too, I'll be talking about the song April Fool by Ronnie Lane. This song, released on the 1977 album Rough Mix, brings together four of the most iconic figures in British rock and roll. Small Faces bassist Ronnie Lane, Who guitarist Pete Townsend, engineer Glenn Johns, and guitarist Eric Clapton. While this lineup may lead you to believe that April Fool is a rock song, it's actually a lovely, lilting folk song that features a long acoustic instrumental outro. So how did these rockers come together on a folk song? The answer is simple, skiffle. Although British rockers like Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, John Lennon, and Keith Richards cite American blues music as their primary influence, the fact is that most of them started out playing a form of English folk music called skiffle. If you've never listened to skiffle, count yourself lucky. It's sort of like a cornier, more folksy type of rockabilly that was overwhelmingly popular in Britain in the 50s. You can even find videos of a young, clean-cut Jimmy Page playing in a skiffle band. So although we know Pete Townsend is a hard-driving rocker, he and Ronnie Lane, not to mention Eric Clapton and Glenn Johns, had their roots in folk music going back to their childhoods. There are a lot of little things that make this song one of my favorites. The upright bass is played arco, or with a bow, rather than plucked, giving a full, warm bed of sound for the interweaving acoustic guitar and mandolin rhythm parts. The lyrics sung by Ronnie Lane fit nicely on top and create a melancholy mood throughout the song. Engineer and producer Glenn Johns was already a legendary figure in rock music in 1977, having worked on songs like Dazed and Confused, Sympathy for the Devil, Desperado, Get Back by the Beatles, and hundreds of others. So when Ronnie Lane and Pete Townsend decided to collaborate on an album, Glenn Johns was their first choice as the session engineer and de facto co-producer. As they finished up April Fool, everyone agreed the song needed a guitar solo for the outro, maybe a dobro, and that's where Eric Clapton entered the picture. Pete Townsend wanted to give Clapton a call, confident that Eric could deliver the solo they needed. But Glenn Johns disagreed. Glenn Johns had worked with Clapton a few times in the preceding decade while Clapton was struggling with addiction, and he'd found Clapton to be overrated as a guitarist and an all-around pain to work with. But Townsend insisted, and Clapton was brought in for the dobro solo. For those not familiar, a dobro, formerly known as a resonator guitar, 
is an acoustic instrument used almost exclusively in folk, bluegrass, and occasionally acoustic blues. Although it was a far cry from the Black Fender Strat that Clapton was known for, he was nevertheless quite comfortable on the dobro thanks to his years of studying Delta Blues. Softly tapping his foot on the studio's wooden floor, he played the solo beautifully in a single take. Glenn Johns decided that he wanted to get that foot tapping on the otherwise percussionless song and made Clapton do a second take, this time with a mic near his foot. The end result is one of my favorite songs. Although Clapton is admittedly not the most technical dobro player, the solo that he plays on April Fool is absolutely perfect. Glenn Johns later recounted it as one of his favorite moments in his decades-long recording career and was afterwards an enthusiastic Clapton fan. Johns later said that Clapton was one of the few guitarists who never let his head get between his fingers and his heart. I love the song April Fool by Ronnie Lane, and I think you'll love it too. Check it out. Hey, and welcome to my interview with guitarist, uh, vocalist, banjo player, Greg Green. Greg, thanks for being on the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. So, Greg, um, it's, it's great to have you. And, and for people that haven't, got, haven't had the opportunity to uh, hear you play, they're in for a treat today. And they're going to get to hear a little bit about the, the style of music that you do. Um, I'll say for our listeners that haven't got to hear Greg, he's got a fantastic country voice, which you'll hear in a little while. Greg, talk about the kind of music that you like to play and the sort of things that, that inspire you and then you, you like to perform. I like a lot of different types of music. The main ones are country, uh, bluegrass, and some of the older pop stuff. I mm -hmm. uh, like uh, the old stuff, uh, even the gospel stuff, the Hank Williams Sr. I grew up listening to that kind of music. And then as time went on, I started listening more to the more country rock stuff, like with Hank Williams Jr. and Leonard Skinner, that type of stuff. But also I uh, grew up listening to uh, more singer-songwriter type songs like James Taylor, Jim Croce. I really love that style of music. Mm -hmm. And then I guess it's just in my DNA that uh, bluegrass, I love bluegrass too. And I, right. I grew up a big Andy Griffith fan. <laughs> yeah. And once I saw the Darlings, who mm -hmm. are really called the Dillards in real life, once I saw them on Andy Griffith and heard that music, I was just hooked. <laughs> so mm -hmm. and always, and I, I really wanted to learn how to play that type of music. So for our listeners that maybe are not Andy Griffith fans, what Greg is talking about is that were they a recurring a guest or was it just the one episode that I think they were on four or five episodes. There was this bluegrass band on Andy Griffith and was it a family band? Well, two of the guys in the band were brothers, Rodney and Doug Dillard. Mm -hmm. uh, they were from uh, Salem, Missouri. And then a couple of their friends, Dean Webb, who played the uh, mandolin and uh, trying to think now of the guy who played bass but uh, they had a, a bass player who was also a friend who he was like a friend and a storyteller around that part of Missouri. Okay. And they, they hit it off with him so well that they, they taught him how to play the bass. Okay. So, <laughs> <in> the <band. laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, they were on the Andy Griffith show. They were known as the darlings mm -hmm. and they had Denver Powell who played their father who played the jug. He wasn't really a, a member of the, right. the original group, but uh and, but in real life, they were called the Dillards. At what point did you learn 
the banjo? Because I know you play the guitar. Did you start on the guitar and then learn the banjo or reverse order? I started with guitar back in high school. I had always wanted to learn how to play. And uh, I had a cousin who was a couple years younger than me. We started hanging out one summer. And he had already um, been around music, some gospel music. I had a gospel band and uh, he could play the piano. He knew chords, chord changes and that kind of stuff. And we were both really interested in learning to play the guitar. So we just both learned together. We had a book, had the chords and, and that's what we did. But uh, so yeah, that was back in high school. And I really didn't start playing the banjo until um, I was in my mid thirties. <laughs> so really, uh, yeah. I think it was like around 1996 is when I really started trying to learn to learn to play the banjo. You know, as I mentioned before, the inspiration was the Dillards, but also Earl Scruggs. I mean, you know, the greatest banjo player, I think, that, that ever has lived. And, and so um, I had a book that was Earl Scruggs' five-string banjo book, and it had songs in there and tablatures. And I also had the recording that went along with that. And so... I would just sit down after work at night. I would lock myself, well, not lock myself in the room, but get in the back room and sit down with that tape and just slowly learn how to play, mm. <laughs> do the, the roles. But, uh, but then I uh, also uh, branched out and started trying to learn some of these Dillard songs, which I really love so much, like Dooley, mm -hmm. um, The Whole World Around, The Old Home Place. Those were really some great folk bluegrass songs uh, had really good banjo leads. And so I actually ordered a book online uh, from Doug Dillard that had the tablatures. And so wow. just kind of taught myself how to play. <laughs> well, that's really cool. And you, you're a really good banjo player. So that's, I'm impressed that you were able to well, teach yourself. I don't know yourself. about that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, so the banjo is not exactly a quiet instrument. How did your family feel about you uh, learning the banjo at that time? <laughs> that's a good question well like I said I would go my kids were little then and mm -hmm. uh I would uh yeah go in the back room and shut the door or either I would go outside and sit on the the porch swing to okay. play I don't know how the neighbors felt about that <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do oh uh, all right that's funny um so when you started you started learning the guitar in in high school with your you said your cousin Right. Did y'all, after a while, did y'all start like trying to go out and, and get gigs or play for people or that kind of thing? How, how did you uh, initially start performing? Yes. Uh, well, somewhat. We, um, I grew up in, well, originally I, I lived in South Jackson. Uh, about fifth grade, we moved back down to where my folks were from, Simpson and Smith County. So I grew up in McGee, Mississippi. And uh, uh, the high school, in my senior year, they had a talent show. And so my, me and my cousin and a couple other guys decided we had, we'd gotten together and started playing some. And we said, hey, let's enter this, you know, what the heck. And so the first song that I ever sang in public was an Alabama song. Mm -hmm. and it was called Old Flame. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we didn't win, but it was a good experience for us wow. to be able to get up on stage and play. That's awesome. That, you know, that's a good song. I'm familiar with the song. So you, you had no singing experience prior to that either? Just, you know, singing along with the radio. I grew up my whole life. Um, you know, I, I love to sing. It's something I probably inherited from 
my father, because on his side of the family, everybody sings uh, and is very musical. And he always tell him and I always tell everybody that he was, he had the best country voice I ever heard. He was such a great singer. I told him he missed his calling. He mm. should, should have been famous. But anyway, uh, I just always grew up singing and, and liking music. Uh, I was thinking back to when, you know, when I really uh, was aware of music. And I think I was probably like in kindergarten. And I remember my favorite artist was Glenn Campbell back then. I remember hearing Glenn Campbell on the radio all the time. Mm -hmm. And my three favorite songs were Wichita Lineman. Let's see, uh, Galveston, which was a great song. Mm -hmm. And then um, Gentle on My Mind. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, you know, when I was in kindergarten, loving Glenn Campbell. So that's kind of, I think, where my the love my love of music really started was with Glenn Campbell. <laughs> wow, that's it. Yeah, that's a great place to start. So you sang, y'all didn't win. I'm surprised. I don't see how who could have beat y'all. I'm surprised to hear y'all didn't win. But that was the <laughs> that was the start. And and from there, did you did y'all start trying to to get more gigs or find more places to play or just kind of cool it for a while? We didn't really have any gigs I, that I can remember. I, I always remember that we would go have jam sessions with the different people. I remember the um, ag teacher at McGee High School. Mm -hmm loved country music and had and played guitar. And I remember we'd go over to his house and sit around and jam. And then there was in McGee, there was this, um, there was this television repair shop downtown and every like on the weekends, Friday and Saturday night, if you drove past the, you could see in the window that people were sitting in there playing music and the guys that owned it were older guys and they loved sitting around having jam sessions. And we would go by, we would go there and play with them. Wow. So there's a lot of musical people around, around that part of the country. Yeah, that's really neat. I mean, uh, so the old guys in the, at the TV repair station and, you know, for a certain segment of our listeners are not going to know what a TV repair shop is, but <laughs> I, uh, a few decades ago, if your TV broke, you didn't just buy a new one, you got it repaired. <laughs> and uh, so so they 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 played the same kind of music um that you like the country and bluegrass or were they playing different kind of stuff yes i mean mainly country and you know some of the older country some gospel mm -hmm. not a lot of um bluegrass but anyway it was just a great experience i remember yeah going in there and we i think we set on an old tv <laughs> mm, right <laughs> Because yeah. uh, back then everybody had these console TVs that right. stood on the gr on the floor, and so mm -hmm. those were about waist high. So a good place to sit to mm -hmm. play music. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, those uh, those TVs weighed about eight hundred pounds a piece, and yeah. on a, like a twenty two inch screen or something like that. You've written a few songs, right? A couple. Well, I'd say one and a half. One and a half. Uh, okay. One and a half. Yeah. I've got one in the works right now with a local guy who is a, uh, he's a poet. He's also a, a professor at a local college. Well, he, his wife and I play music together. She's a violinist mm -hmm. or I keep telling her she's a fiddler now. Mm -hmm. Or when she plays with me, she's a fiddler. <laughs> when she slums it down with the bluegrass people, she's a fiddler. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, I hadn't gotten her into the bluegrass side yet. We're uh, playing mainly country and, uh, the older pop stuff. Mind telling the, our listeners who that is that you're working with? Okay, yes, it's uh, Murray 
and Sandy Sugars. Okay. Anyway, her husband, you know, he, he liked hearing me sing. Uh, and uh, he said that he wanted to try to write a song. And so he did. He wrote a song uh, that's related to Vicksburg. Mm. And so and so I put the uh, the music to it. And so we've got that in the works right now. Just, But uh, the only song that I have written was back in um, around 95. Mm -hmm. um, the local radio station, Miss 103 in Jackson, was having this contest called, I can't really remember who the sponsor was, but uh, it was the Unplugged Country mm -hmm. uh, Competition. Mm -hmm. And so they were looking for small just acoustic bands unplugged. They wanted the uh, bands to perform three songs and they wanted country songs and they wanted two country songs and one original song. Okay. And so uh, myself and a couple other guys who had been playing together for a long time, we, you know, sat down and one of the guys, the guy that played the lead guitar, he just, one night we were playing and he started just playing something. And all of a sudden I just started singing and we wrote the song called The Great Divide. We played that song and the two country songs at this competition and we ended up winning. <laughs> so That's cool. Uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. So what'd you get for winning? Um, I think a trophy and I don't know. I can't remember if there was any money involved or not. <laughs> Maybe, I, I can't remember. Maybe there was like 50 bucks or something. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know, we thought, you know, that once we won the, Record contracts were just going to start flowing in, but it didn't happen. <laughs> oh, well. That's their loss. They missed out. So I'll ask you this. You, uh, it seems like you always have a pretty talented group of musicians that you play with. How over the years have you gotten connected in with the, with the people that you play with and, uh, and that sort of thing? It really varies on how that's occurred. Like through work, uh, I've gotten involved with people. When I first moved to Vicksburg, started working, one of the first people I met, who's now one of my really good friends, but he was a, a bass player, and he's really phenomenal bass player. His uh, mother and his sister are both phenomenal uh, violinists from the Jackson area, and uh, so uh, you know, I met I met people through work. Mm -hmm. And which, you know, that's kind of led to, you know, being able to have just a small group of people, support group with me to play, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that we get out and play in other places and then you meet other musicians. And that's how I've met some of some of the other folks, just mm -hmm. playing at some of the local venues. Yeah, there's like a, a local place that we used to play at a lot on Friday nights called the Oak Ridge Opry. It was out in the Oak Ridge community uh, north of Vicksburg. Mm -hmm. And I've met so many people out there uh, who were just great musicians and people that I've uh, played with some in the past. Uh, so just uh, mainly through working, just through getting out, playing and meeting people at yeah. uh, places that I played at. So. so tell me about, I know that you play at several places around, not just in town, but kind of around central Mississippi. Now, what are some of the other places that you play? I uh, have played recently uh, at this restaurant in Learned, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an old country store called Gibbs. Uh, I play there occasionally. Mm -hmm. 
as I mentioned, uh, Oak Ridge Opry is just a local place that I played at, uh, just a, a gathering place for people. And then there's this place called Levi's. It's uh, just another place on Saturday night where people like to get together and just to hear music. I mean, I've played at a lot of different places, uh, right. you know, different like events and stuff. Those are kind of like the main ones that I play at. Um, do you ever play like solo, just you and your guitar singing, or do you always have a couple of musicians for support? I do use, I mean, I, I do play uh, solo sometimes. Um, well, I played at Gibbs um, solo, and but I mean, I mainly play with other people. I mean, I like to get other people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is better for the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to have more instruments playing. It gives the music more depth and uh, more volume. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed by people that, that can do it solo for, uh, you know, for an hour or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's tough to, uh, like you say, for the audience, it's tough for you to, to be dynamic enough to be interesting with just you and a guitar for that long, I think. Yeah, that's true. And then I sometimes am a little bit apprehensive about doing it. Um, just because my guitar skills are, are not as good as I'd like them to be as far as picking. Mm-hmm. I'm not nowhere good as Chris Gooden <laughs> playing the guitar. Well, uh, Chris is a great guitar player, y'all for who don't, those of you <laughs> who don't know, he's a really phenomenal guitar player, but, uh, uh, yeah, that's the only, uh, apprehension I have, but, uh, mm-hmm. I try to make up for it by just singing louder. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I mean, people show up to hear the singer, not to hear the guitar player. So since, uh, since you've got your guitar there, would you mind uh, doing a song for us? Not at all. Is there anything in particular you'd like me to play? Um, well, I know you said you weren't done with it yet, but is there any way I could convince you to play the new song you've been working on? Sure. This is called Mississippi Flood. Meeting in the cemetery, thirsty for eternity. Shared a swig of darkness with the moon. You drove your old man's pickup truck. The flood slip before sun up. Shipwrecked coffins coughed in here. We played that eight track in that Chevy. Sixteen years we schemed of our escape. And we danced a two step on the levee. Quick, quick, slow, dream of new landscapes. Quick, quick, slow, dream of new landscapes. All right. Very good. Thank you, Greg. That was great. All right. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks for, for playing that for us. So, so Greg, I got um, to ask uh, – Assuming that uh, at some point in the next uh, few months that uh, quarantine is lifted, <laughs> what are your uh, what are your plans in terms of uh, gigs for the future? Places you'll be playing, um, things that you want to do. 
I'll probably still continue to play at Gibbs. In in fact, um, they've uh, I don't know if you know if you've ever been out there to Gibbs. Uh, it's, like I said, it's a little country store, but they uh, have some of the best food around. Phenomenal steaks, lamb chops, mm-hmm. fish. But anyway, and they have added on to the side of it this huge deck, and uh, they said that they're likely going to start having indoor music and outdoor music. So. Uh, <laughs> kind of looking forward to that. Hopefully nice. they do that. But anyway, yeah, Gibbs. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm also really excited about this uh, song collaboration work that I'm doing with the guy that I was telling you about earlier, and uh, and and with his wife, Sandy uh, is like I said, a, a really great fiddle player, violinist. Um, always tease her because um, one of the songs that we do is uh, the South's gonna do it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Charlie Daniels, mm-hmm. uh, she she plays that, and okay. I always tell her that that's the song that she got corrupted on. <laughs> <laughs> a, a classical violinist to you know a country fiddler, right. but uh, anyway, but her husband Murray uh, is the songwriter, has a phenomenal way with words, uh, and so okay. I'm really looking forward to this uh, collaboration. Yeah, that's neat. So, um, so in terms of so writing the music and everything, it, you said you've you've done one and a half songs. So that so it's a fairly new thing for you. It, it have is. you have you found that uh, difficult, or has it come kind of easy to you, or you know how how has that been for you? Well, the to me, the the lyrics are the difficult part. Mm-hmm. If I, if somebody hands me a set of lyrics. I usually can come up with a tune pretty easily. Um, but for some reason, uh, the, the lyrics are the difficult part for me. I agree with you. The, the lyrics are the hard part. If you, if, if you got somebody that's good at that, you're, you're doing good. You're in good shape. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't have to be something overly complicated or profound for lyrics, but you know, to me, it's just, it's, it's just hard to sit down with a blank slate and start writing. Country artists nowadays, you mentioned several people that are, you know, that you liked growing up, Hank, Hank Jr. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody out there now that you enjoy, uh, newer artists? One of the young guys that I really like right now is a guy named Luke Combs. Mm-hmm. I do a couple of his songs, and I love Chris Stapleton. There's a local guy that I really like a lot. He's he's a country music artist who's mm-hmm. he's, he's probably not as well known as, some of these other guys, but uh, a guy named uh, William Michael Morgan. Mm-hmm. I think he is just a phenomenal uh, singer. Does yep. a little bit of the older style country, but uh, right. you know, I think he's a has a phenomenal voice to right. me. I met a girl, right? You used to work that one into your set occasionally, didn't you? Yes, I sure did. Yeah, yeah. I still do that one. Yeah, that's a good song. I like that one as well. That is. That's a great song. All right, Greg. Well, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you talking to me for a little while, and uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Since we're about to sign off, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to grab your banjo and play us out. Okay.
for listening to this week's episode of Music of the River City. I enjoyed this episode and especially being treated to both a new song and some classic banjo picking. I do plan to get Greg and Murray Sugars back on the show when they finish their songs, so stay tuned. Please like and subscribe to Music of the River City so you'll be automatically notified when new episodes come out. If you have questions, comments, or know someone who would like to be featured on the podcast, please contact me at musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to Music of the River City.